Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. My guest today is Michael Curlin, who's an award-winning CEO committed to leading with purpose, giving back to his community, and living a healthy lifestyle. Michael is also a writer, podcaster, entrepreneur, culture creator, and conscious capitalist. In today's episode, we talk about his latest book, Broken to Better, 13 Ways Not to Fail at Life and Leadership, which teaches you how the power of purpose can transform your business and life. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you, James. Appreciate you having me here. I am really looking forward to this. I was reading your backstory and you and I have a very similar story. I left everything in Washington, D.C. and started Lifeology quite a while ago. And so to have that transformation of, I just feel like I'm not growing and, and, and being able to be the person I want to be. So I transformed my, like, like you did. So it's going to be interesting to see the parallels of how your story is very similar to mine as well. So what happened for you in the early 2000s, you were in, in the New York area and something happened in, in your life. I just need to change. What, what happened? Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was living, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, went to, went to college, you know, got out of college, thought I, uh, wanted to be the general manager of the New York Mets. You can see all this, uh, baseball guard behind me here. That's a, that's the passion. Right. And, uh, found out that, you know, that, that was not going to happen. Uh, so really quickly. So, you know, got into corporate (laughs) America and, uh, started working jobs, uh, got, got a few sales jobs, hated it, hated sales, uh, hated the grind, pounding the phones. And then I went to work for a company called Nine West Jones Apparel Group, uh, early 2000s, and became a facility manager. Um, I didn't know what that meant, they, but my buddy's dad was the C, he was the executive vice president of construction and real estate for Jones Apparel Group. And he said, you know, I got a job for you, facility manager. And I said, I don't know how to do anything with tools. <laughs> and he said, you don't need to. You need to know how to use a computer and a phone. And I said, cool. I'm your guy. So I uh, got that job and started learning everything I didn't know about facility management, which is basically, you know, you're coordinating uh, the middleman between the store and, and the handyman to fix things. Uh, so I okay. did that for, okay. for like four years. And um, I, one of my subcontractors that was the handyman wanted me to come work for them. And it was around 2008, went over there mm-hmm. uh, they gave me a job as sales. <laughs> they said, what, what, I said, what can I do for I'm you? Like sales. <laughs> they said, they said sales. And I said, I'll do anything but sales. And I said, well, that's all I got for you. So I took the job because it was right around when the housing market, you know, collapsed and retail uh-huh. was kind of sketchy. Uh, and so I was there for seven years. I became the vice president of sales and marketing. <laughs> so I guess I was kind of good at it, even though I hated it. And, uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I, you know, I was working for this company and it was, and it was great, right? It was great. I was on this trajectory. I bought a house. I got married. Mm-hmm. I had I had a a woman that I you know married, and we had a house and a dog, and thought we were going to have kids, and 
and then the, like the bottom just dropped out uh found out my my ex-wife was having an affair and then, oh goodness i'm sorry yeah and then no it's the best thing that ever happened to me and then uh companies sold private equity and i was really close to the owners at the time and private equity came in this was all in 2012 and both these things happened in 2012 and then uh the whole time in 2012 uh the new ceo came in and she's like, i'm not going to change anything and they changed everything mm-hmm. and so i got demoted from bp you know Helped grow the company to 50 million, got the motor to VP, from VP to director, and uh, had the boss put on top of me. Didn't even get the interview for the job. That the guy came in, guy didn't really know what he was doing. So that was, you know, the writing was on the wall. They wanted me to sign a yeah. three-year non-compete, right? So oh, goodness. Wow. Yeah. So three-year non-compete, which to me screamed, I'm getting fired. I'm getting fired, yes. right? Yeah. So I said, I'm not signing a three-year non-compete. And they told me if I don't sign it, I'll get fired. I said, okay. So either way, and tar- <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, lo- I was lose, lose. It was a win-win actually in, in hindsight. So, mm-hmm. um, went out to December 6th, never forget this day, uh, 20, 2013. They flew me out to Minnesota because Target was my biggest client. And they said, secure the next three-year deal. And I said, no problem. So I flew to Minnesota in December. That's right there, the hatred mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were giving me. It's cold. Yeah. And so I flew to, <laughs> flew to Minnesota in December, closed the deal for them on December 6th. That was a Monday. So then uh, December 11th was a Friday. I came back and call, got called down to my old boss's office while they were packing up my little cardboard box at my desk. And uh, Are you kidding out. me? I scored it out two weeks oh before gosh. Christmas. I mean- yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously perspective, you're on the other side of that, but in that moment, how did you, and we'll jump to your book in a second, but how did you go? Okay. So you, you secured this three-year deal for them. Yep. You come back, you get fired. In that yep. moment, how did you, re, I mean, what, it felt like your whole world is just falling apart. How did you, what did you do to essentially that says, I have to take another breath and another breath and I just, I need to take control of my life. Yeah. So exactly that. I, I had, you know, I had gone through, I was pretty much coming out the back end of the divorce and mm-hmm. you know through the whole year and a half of private equity being in in the company i had started seeing the writing on the wall so i knew that this was probably my swan song you know you mm-hmm. i i had already told them i wasn't signing this non compete so i had to assume like they wanted me to secure this big contract and they were they weren't going to keep me around longer i thought maybe they'd wait till after the holidays but you know yeah. ripped the bandaid off right so uh it was fine i i walked out i kind of i kind of laughed i kind of cried went home and I was like, I'm, I'm starting my own company. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm never working for anyone again. What I learned, I learned everything I wanted to do right. And everything that was done wrong at that company. And I wanted to just be better, which is where we got our mm-hmm. tagline, be better. And I didn't ever want to work for anyone again. I, I realized as a salesperson, you're expendable. It, you know, you're only as good as your last deal, sure. clearly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't want to give the power to somebody else and make money for anybody else anymore. I wanted to make money for me. And I wanted to do it from California because I hate the snow. And so sending me to Minnesota in December was a really, really big, That's you know, <laughs> shot, shot across my nose. Right. So, so I, I uh, sold my house um, in January of 2014, uh, packed up my car and I drove cross country. I was a single guy, had, had a couple bucks in my pocket, drove out to uh, Newport Beach, California and uh, found, found a space in Anaheim. Orange, California, which is right next to Anaheim, and opened the company on February seventeenth, uh, twenty fourteen, and you know wow. we're almost at our nine year anniversary now, and we've grown leaps and bounds. Of you know, looking like we're going to hit fifty million hopefully this year. So 
exciting times at Brandon. Yeah, thanks, man. Congratulations. So the person with whom I'm speaking today and the person that walked into the room uh, to the office and it was me and everything's being packed up. What's different and what's the same? <laughs> so much. Uh, it's funny because I'm <laughs> <know>. remarried now. <laughs> um, okay, it's, you know, it's almost nine. Thank you. It's almost nine years later. I'm remarried now. I have a beautiful wife. I have a, my first child on the way. Wonderful. Uh, Doing oh, two months. And um, I look back and she asked me that same question quite often. Like, oh, really? How are you, how are you like back in New York? And I'm like, well, let's start with I was 40 pounds heavier. So uh, that oh, was the okay. first thing. Yeah, right. yeah, that was the first thing I did is I went on a weight loss journey while I was moving cross country and starting a company. So I, I just threw it all in a blender and I was like, I'm going to come out on top one way or the other. So I lost yeah. 40 pounds and uh, I was really filled with anxiety. Um, I mm-hmm. had a short fuse uh, and I didn't know how to cope with the, the curveballs that life threw until I got to yeah. this point in time in my life. And you know, what changed was I started going to therapy right after mm. I uh, found out that my wife Wonderful. was having an affair. And I really started getting into meditation, uh, yoga, and I, I read a couple of books that were life changing. I read uh, uh, Jen Sincero's book. I don't know if you know, are familiar with her. Mm. Uh, you Are a Badass is the name of the mm. book. And it's a, okay. it's a, great, it's a great book. Uh, it it kind of sounds was, empowering. It is. It's motivational and, and it's everything I needed to hear at that point in my life, Good. right? And then Good. I read uh, Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Mm, but I've heard of that book it's before. To, huh? it's, a, it's a great book for any type of loss. And, you know, mm. most people think loss is death. And there's a chapter on death. There's a chapter on divorce. There's, a ch- you know, any kind of loss, right? And it just helps any you type of loss, of course. deal with that. And I mean, even, even losing a VP of, of sales and marketing from my previous yes. company. That's that's loss, right? So um, I read those two books, and they really they really altered and took me from victim to victor, right? I, I was tired of why me? Why, why is the world mm-hmm. beating me down? Why am I out of shape? Well, I'm going to eat my feelings away. No, I'm not. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to become the person that I was always meant to be in my mind, and I'm going to move to California. I'm going to do it where it's sunny and at the beach. And so I did. And, and <laughs> here we are. Yeah, Congratulations. Are. Congratulations, Michael. That's, that's, I, I know my viewers and listeners hearing that right now are very encouraged themselves because they may not all be in the same position that you've been in before, but we all know what it feels like to feel lost. We know what it feels like to feel heartache. We all know that. So as a human, all, since we're all humans, we can relate with the emotion experience, emotional experience that you've had. As we transition into your book, Broken to Better, 13 Ways Not to Fail a Life in Leadership, what inspired you to write this book? So... Uh, I started, I started doing a podcast, uh, about, so there's, let me back up a second. There's a guy, I went on his podcast, his name's Chris Shembra, and he wrote a book called Gratitude. And I was really in this gratitude journey at the point in time. And Branded Group had just been, uh, awarded, uh, I think it was number three, uh, 311 on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. And he was doing a journey to interview you know, all the CEOs of the top 500 companies from that year. So he wow, reached out, amazing. asked me to come do an interview on his podcast. And he, he really, you know, kind of, insp- he definitely inspired me. He's like, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. I'm going to write a book and then I'm going to become a public speaker. And I was like, you know, what's next for me? Because the company was on the trajectory mm-hmm. where I didn't need to be in the day to day, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You know, I was, I had some free time. So I said, I think, I think that's a good trajectory for me. And I, and I have, the be, you know, I, I want to start a podcast and it, it, we have this culture of, of be better. So I guess, uh, you know, for the audience, 
we we really put a lot of time into uh, giving back, whether it's through we started with Habitat for Humanity. We've helped build over 12 houses across uh, wow. you know two states in, in in six years. Right? We've we've donated over like 6,000 meals through Feeding America and a local uh, Second Harvest Food Pantry out here in Orange County. Um, and we you know we're we're affiliated with Orange Coast Keepers. We do beach cleanups on, on a on a monthly basis down here and we have a couple of others not nonprofits priority center let's help helps try to end child abuse out here in orange county and so mm-hmm. through all that that's grown over the years and i'm like you know and i read i had read conscious capitalism years back and you know that one of the tenants is you know taking care of, of your community right so we were we were just really involved in that and, and i was like i i got a story to tell here right so covid hit uh, we had been doing the podcast covid hit and we were like well me and my team were like, what do we want to do with this? And like, let's write a book. We got, we got time right now, right? We got time. So over <laughs> the last two and a half years, we sat down and we decided let's write this book about um, my, it's kind of my story interwoven into a how to start a company mm-hmm. for purpose-driven leader and how you can intertwine purpose into starting your company because most people think well i gotta focus on getting the company off the ground that's my that's my number one goal but you can also do the purpose-driven company at the same time you don't need to get five years off the ground then go back and and bring in the purpose so it's 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 a how-to it's not for you know someone like yourself who's you know uh, already established it's for a new newbie coming on the scene that okay that wants to start a company yeah so that's the target audience right there when you when you say purpose, many people have that's that word's thrown around a lot. So let's identify and quantify that. For, what does that mean for you? So everyone listening now says, "Oh, okay, that's what Michael's talking about." So when I first we opened the company in 2014, as we talked about, and the first year uh, we turned a profit. We made we made 50 grand, which we didn't really make 50 grand. I just didn't take a salary for the year, so that was sure. my salary. I but I, I like to tell people the bottom line showed 50 grand profit, right? So first year we turned a profit, and I and I you know I worked I worked a lot of hours. I worked worked my butt off and I was like at the end of the year looking at everything and I should have felt elated and I really felt empty and I said what what is this all for like facilities management we're fixing retail stores toilets that's not that's not making me feel yeah. like happy sure. and what kind of legacy <laughs> am I leaving on this planet right so I really started thinking how can we be better and that's when all these uh programs came into place with Habitat for Humanity. So we started a one-for-one program where we donated a minute of time of service to Habitat for Humanity through our company. And so oh, okay. every service call that you know our clients, every, every all our clients would send in, we would donate a minute to Habitat in Orange County or in Suffolk County, New York, where we had just started to have some, some people at New Place. And that was really how everything started with purpose. And, and now you know, we have purpose days where you can go, uh, any employee that works for us, we have over 170 now, can go back out and say, I, I don't like Habitat for Humanity. I don't like Feeding America. I like pets. I want to go to my local mm-hmm. pet shelter and I want to volunteer over there. So we let them do that and, and give back how it feels right for them. So that's what purpose means to us. And that's wonderful. So I think anyone listening right now, you can they can quantify or measure when they start their own business or read your book, um, really define what their, what their purpose means and how that really resonates with them as well. I was reading some of the information about your book and you were talking about the, the initial struggle with separating between your personal life and your work life. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So uh, I guess the, the struggle between my work life and my personal life initially 
I, I don't think there was a a delineation. It was I was doing both mm-hmm. at the same time, like I mentioned before. You know, I was I was out here in California trying to start a business mm-hmm. and trying to restart a life. And the, the yeah. first year that I was here, my life got put on hold. I, you know, I focused 150% on the business. So I had no time for, for my life. Yeah. And then as the time went by and the company got a little bit more sustainable and we got some people in place that I was comfortable with, I was then able to pivot sometime towards my life because there was no work-life balance the first year. There was no sure. ability to make friends, you know, meet, meet mm-hmm. a woman to you know, start a romantic mm-hmm. relationship with. I had no capacity for that. And that, you know, the company was successful, but I yeah. was not. And so, you know, there, there, that was another empty part of my life. And I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted that. I, I yearned for that. I wanted, you know, as much as I say it was a blessing that my ex-wife had an affair and it was, it, you know, I still wanted what that came with. Course, I wanted a, a, a family and, and, and children. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm finally getting there. I'm just a little late to the game, but that's okay. Sure. <laughs> Well, but it's also the, the right timing as well. And psychology, we have what's called dialectic. It's a fancy term that says both the two opposing things can exist at the same time. So you didn't like the fact, obviously, that she had an affair on you and you still wanted the family as well. So both are true. And so the same thing when we look at life, there's so many ways in which sometimes we feel like we have to, it has to be one or the other, but both can be true. For example, you can go to a funeral and you're really sad because someone died, but yet you think of a funny memory and you start to laugh with joy. So you're really sad, but you're still joyful. And so anything we, we do in life, there's that dialectic where opposing things can't exist at the same time. So the whole yeah. thing with, with your aspect of wanting, obviously wanting life, um, but also working with a job, let's transition into the 13 ways not to fail a life in leadership. So we have probably about five or six more minutes. So we'll just do a couple of them. So walk me through a few of the, the highlights of those, of the 13 ways not to fail a life in leadership. Also, my favorite one is be fearless. If you're an entrepreneur and you have fear, either don't be an entrepreneur or get rid of the fear, right? Because it's, it's scary. And to the yeah, point where I, I was scared of death. I tell the story. I was scared of death for what, that was one of the anxieties that I had on a regular basis. When I was a salesman back at the old company, I was traveling a lot and I was on a lot of planes and I was scared to fly. Mm. And I was scared to fly because I was scared that we would crash and die, which is a crazy thought. But, you know, as a psychologist, I'm sure you, you can tell me what, 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 what that, where that comes it's very from. Very normal. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. So, but I was like, this is dumb and I need to get over this. And so when I came out to California, uh, I turned 40 a couple of years ago and I'd always wanted to jump out of a plane and I did for my 40th birthday. And I did it not because I wanted to jump out of a plane. I wanted to (laughs) prove to myself that I could be fearless again. So, so, uh, I think that's my, my favorite, um, chapter in the whole book. And it's, you know, it's so relatable to so many things like I could have had fear and not sold my house. I could have had fear and not moved to California. I could have had fear and not started a company and tried to, you know, recruit my old clients. I could have, I could have had fear in so many things and, and so, created so many roadblocks for myself. But if you're fearless, then, you know, you, you open up so many avenues that you can go down. And, you know, if you make the wrong decision, unless it's jumping out of a plane without a parachute, if you make the wrong decision, <laughs> you can always pivot. And you can always go yes, back and, and fix that, that decision and fix yes. that mistake. And you might lose a little bit of money, but you're not going to go bankrupt. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to lose all your clients. You're just going to, you're going to learn. You're going to create a learning experience. So be fearless, make that decision 
that is, you know, whether it's analytically driven or gut driven, I do a lot of gut driven decisions, which sometimes leads me to pivoting and going back to the analytic decision, <laughs> but, but, but at least I'm fearless when I that's make right. those decisions. So, yeah. Well, I was, that's, that's my favorite well chapter. When... Yeah, well, let me, let me piggyback off that a little bit. So faith and fear ask us to do the same thing. They ask us to believe in something that has not happened. So we have this fear aspect of things. It's we're like, oh my gosh, what happens? What happens if it doesn't work? But faith asks us to do the same thing. What happens if it does work? And so unfortunately, the way we're wired is we look at the negative where they look at the positive. So for every negative thing that happens, it takes six positive things to counteract that, unfortunately. So when we have that aspect of saying, well, I can go in this direction of fear or this of direction of faith, once again, they ask us to do the same thing. And so when we consciously put ourselves in this mindset of it's not going to work, it's not going to work, which then obviously creates all this fear, anxiety, worry, et cetera, we are actually allowing ourselves, we're choosing that as opposed to the faith aspect of it. So I really like the fact that you do, you aren't fearless. And so when there is fear there, you go towards it, which is the faith part of it. So it's learning how to recognize that it, whether we realize it or not, that it's a conscious choice to live in that anxiety or live in that fear of the, the aspect of what, what if it doesn't work versus the conscious choice of saying, well, what if it does work? And so obviously anxiety is a different aspect, but when it comes to the choices we can make, fear is one version, faith is the other version. So are you telling me that I need to jump out of a plane five more times to make this, to make this right? <laughs> and that's why I was like, well, let me clarify that a little bit. <laughs> that's funny. Well, Eleanor Roosevelt, she said, um, a brilliant woman, of course, she said, do every day do something that makes you, that makes you afraid. And so yeah. with that, it's something to overcome something. So you become the, once again, the CEO of all aspects of your life. Let's uh, have one, uh, one more minute to talk about one more of the 13 ways not to fail at life and leadership. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm always prepared with one. Let me, let me go in here. I think be, be <laughs> there's purposeful. so many, they're all great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be purposeful, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're going to, if you're going to start a company and you're going to, especially with your workforce now today is going to be made up of mostly millennials. And it's, you know, proven fact mm -hmm. that millennials care more about purpose than they do about money, which it's crazy, but it's good, right? It's a good thing. So, yeah, so sure. if you want to start a company and you want it to be something like, scratch that. I have a big pitch right now that I am going to do. And this is, this is a good way to tie up the story. I have a big pitch right now. I've asked, I've been asked by one of my newer clients to come out and they're, they're doing a full day of pitching to see who wants to take over their facility management. And it's, it's a big retailer in America that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have, our time slots, eight hours all day long on September, it's in September. And um, we have one of the eight slots. So we're going up against seven other clients and I, or seven other subcontractors. And I know they're all going to go in and they're going to do the same pitch. Here's what we do. Here's how we can mm -hmm. save you money, right? Yeah. I'm going in there and I'm going to say, here's all the awards we've won. Here's how our culture's better. Here's how we give back. And we do the same stuff that all these other seven people do, but here's how we're different. And so being yes. purposeful, it's such a differentiator for mm -hmm. a, a new business. And if you can bring that to the table, you're going to align with a lot of other millennials out there and other people, right? It's not just millennials that, that want purpose, but you're sure, going to align, you're going to strike a nerve with people. One of our biggest clients today, top five is Sephora, and they are wow. doing business with us today because we did that exact same pitch four years ago. And they came up to us and they said, we want to work with you because we align with your values. And I didn't talk about pricing. I didn't talk about how we do what we do yeah. better or any of that stuff. So hopefully that answers that question. No, it, re it really does. I mean, that's, there is an aspect of when you are impassioned about something, then it, it transcends the, 
the numbers aspect of it. So because and respectfully, all those other seven people, uh, I'm sure are wonderful companies, but there's also the right. aspect of it. If, if everyone's just going with one direction, you're looking at creating a movement, a culture, uh, um, an experience for people. And in doing that, that's where many people, I can totally corroborate that, will align with your brand. Yeah, awesome. Unfortunately, our time is up. We could talk for hours. Uh, Michael Curlin, if my viewers and listeners want to check, find out more information about you and to purchase his book, Broken to Better, 13 Ways Not to Fail at Life and Leadership, where will they find all this information online? They can go to my website, michaelcurland.co. Don't go to com. It's also another author named Michael Curlin, but he writes mysteries. I just write, wrote this one self-help <laughs> book. Uh, and you can go on Amazon and, and find Broken to Better on Amazon as well. Wonderful. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link with Michael Curland and you will get all of his information there. Michael, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on the show today. Thanks, James. Appreciate you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.